0: Hello and welcome to uh, the first episode of I Don't Know What I'm Going to Call This. Anyways, this is going to be a podcast that is designed around the idea of building nuanced opinions on controversial issues. So let's talk about why it's going to be started and, and let's talk about the fact that it's our show. So to begin... Um, I've noticed a large trend of a lot of hyperbolic statements being spread around, a lot of misinformation, and it's not relegated necessarily to one particular side, right? We've got lies spread by people on the extreme right and the extreme left. It's become very difficult to sift through information and and come to any sort of reasonable conclusion. A lot of emotion is being used in, in sort of determining the way forward and in sort of determining uh, opinions about this country and about the justice system and so on and so forth. So we're gonna cover a number of topics in our show and I'll get to why it's our show in a moment. We're gonna start today with what's really just a part one. I mean there's so much to talk about. but We're gonna do part one. This is gonna be focused on police killings of unarmed citizens. So that's our focus tonight, and we're going to begin with a little brief history of policing in the United States. We're going to look at the statistics as they stand currently, and then we are going to break down some individual cases, and and we're going to, you know, we're going to look at it from as analytical a point of view as we can. So let's talk about my biases and my experience uh, as it relates to politics. So, I grew up in a small town called Bishop, California. You probably have only heard of it if you've driven the Mammoth to ski. So if you've done that, you might know where I'm from. My parents are very conservative, and I grew up... I didn't really think about politics, right? As many of us don't when we're younger, we just kind of do what our parents do. So I was pretty conservative. Uh, That started to change in high school quite a bit um, due to the influence of of teachers and and whatnot and in college I was also, you know, had moments where I I felt pretty liberal and uh, And now I've kind of come back around I lean right of center for sure. I wouldn't say that I'm extremely conservative but that's my bias right and, and, and I'm and I'm I'm highly aware of it and I really am pushing it to the side and another in another issue that's hard for me is uh, my dad is a highway patrol officer so there is bias in that direction as well right it's like it was the way I was was especially in high school or college is I defended police that's how I thought but police do some indefensible things right i mean uh so and i don't i don't really got a problem about it with it so uh and i think you'll find i'm going to present information very factually i'm not i'm not going to try to to uh say that that bad things aren't happening to black people at the hands of police i mean that's that'd be ridiculous right is i think more modern conservatives are realizing is is this isn't just explained away by a few misleading statistics um right um so that's my bias but we are disrobing ourselves of our bias here remember on our show that is yet to be named and uh so let's try to let's try to kind of take off our our opinions and and uh be comfortable in being uncomfortable when we when we look into this stuff let's leave our preconceived notions behind let's try to leave emotion behind and and let's try to find nuanced truth together because we have lost nuance and it's a shame so uh, let's begin let's begin with a brief history right okay so as people like to talk about and, and it is largely true in, in the south the first instances of policing were slave patrols and they would be charged with finding runaway slaves and bringing them back to the owners you know in 1704 that was the first slave patrol that came to be in the north policing started really as sort of like a neighborhood watch system so it was more by volunteers Uh, they didn't even want to wear badges because they got bad reputations already right they were kind of cracking down on, on gambling and things like that. Now, a next the next noteworthy group to be formed would probably be the Texas Rangers. That's an important one around that time. Uh, well, later than than that time. And uh, they have a really dark history, Texas Rangers. A lot of killing of Mexicans. And uh, a very brutal history, actually. Um... They did some alright things, sure, you know, uh, capturing, well, killing Bonnie and Clyde, um, you could say, you know, some, some, some normal police work, right? But that was, uh, there was a lot of, of massacring innocent type families, um, essentially to assist the colonial spread of white people across into Texas and, and over there and, and pushing out. Mexican farmers or uh, in Mexican cattle ranchers and all that. Um, So that was their, that was a lot of what they did. Now, the first police department started in big cities, as one might expect, you know, Boston, New York, cities like that at the time. And they were actually very anti-European at the time. That That was their concern, you know, in the north more often than not. It was anti-Irish, anti-Italian, anti-German, Eastern Europeans, particularly anti-Irish. Um, the Irish were viewed as a very dangerous, kind of gross type of people, and police treated them as such. And the very first police departments, and, and the very first police departments too, were very much political tools. They were ran more by politicians than they were by some sort of uh, ethic or... Um, you know, code of conduct. Uh, Around 1939, you see that there is widespread third degree happening. So a lot of intense interrogation using violence, intimidation, that was very widespread. And we'll jump ahead to what everybody, well, what most people should know about, which is the civil rights um, protests during the 60s and and onward. Uh, So, a lot of disgusting things happened there. I mean, there's no doubt about that, right? Uh, police were acting very brutally to protests that were very much, very much peaceful, uh, more peaceful than the protests that we see currently happening. Um, so, just absolutely disgusting, right? Disgusting police work. You can't even call it police work, really. But, anyways, that's uh, that's our brief history. Um, you know. If y'all uh, feel like you want more and you want to go more in-depth into that, then that's an episode we can do another time. But that's, that's kind of a brief history of how policing started in this country. So we'll move on from that. Uh, so let's talk about how this is our show real quick before we move on to the statistics and the individual circumstances. What I need from you, and, and, I, and I, really, this is really important to me, I could be wrong about a lot of things, right? I'm trying in this show to get rid of my bias, to suspend it while we look at these things, but I'm human, right? And um, while we're not gonna be using anecdotal evidence uh, during these shows, and, and if I do, then I will say, hey, this is anecdotal as a warning, right? But what I want is if I'm missing something, if I need to dive deeper into something share a source, comment a source, um, comment a study, something you think I should read, something you think that needs to be addressed. I'll try to pick out all the ones that are, you know if I can, I'll look at everything. But otherwise, I'll try to pick out the ones that I think are most important, that will help us move this dialogue forward, and I'll look at them, right? And, and like I said, this is a part one. This is, this is we're kind of getting our feet wet in a way. Um, Down the line, we're going to look at things like mass incarceration, critical race theory, extreme left, extreme right. Um, You know, I just and if you name a topic, we can go into it. Right. And uh, so, you know, it's pretty been exhausting for me. I thought I was going to be able to condense a lot of race issues into one episode. I mean, it's, you know, I've been reading nonstop and uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So it's not as easy as that. All right, so why don't we move into some quick stats. So in 2019, there were 14 unarmed black men killed. Oh, I'm sorry, unarmed black people killed. Um, and in 2019, there were 25 unarmed white people killed. Now, of course, people on the more extreme right, uh, the ones willing to unwilling to compromise, would say, oh my gosh, you know, more unarmed white people are killed than black people. I mean, But you can quickly look into the statistics further to dismantle the claim that, that you know, <laughs> that that should be considered as part of the evidence, right? Because it's a much larger percentage of the black population than of the white population. Now, the trending in these numbers is good, as we'll see in 2020 so far, uh, black unarmed deaths by the hands of the police, nine so far, which means we're looking at probably 10, 10 and a half, uh, you know, if if you can kind of make it a, a fraction and do that sort of math. I, you know, I don't know how accurate that's going to be when you're talking about something like this, but on pace for 10, 10 and a half. White people this year, 12 unarmed white people killed by police and on pace for about 14 at the end of the year. So the numbers are going down and I do, and I think we do need to credit, you know, these protests for a lot of that. The fact that the social trend is this way. Um, Because police should be afraid to shoot anyone, right? I mean, that should be, uh, that should be a last resort. And it's good I believe, if police understand that there are going to be consequences down the line, you know, uh, with things like that. So there are some potential issues, though, with, with what we deem unarmed. And we'll get into that a little bit later. I mean, everything is, I mean, everything's so nuanced, right? It's it's almost annoying to try to find information. I mean, and I'm going to present uh, in the description all the sources that I've used to to ascertain this these datas... I don't know if you can say it like that. <laughs> but, um... Man, it's rough. So, what I want to do is quickly let's jump to 2015. Because the only study I could find that actually had definitive numbers... On the amount of times different races were contacted by police... Was a study in, in 2015. So, what I did, and, and thank you math teachers of my past... Um, is if we look at 2015, there were 38 unarmed black people killed. And again, we're going to go into what unarmed means and special circumstances. But if you take that as a percentage of the amount of interactions that black people had with police, which is was about 6,146,400 interactions that year total uh, for black people with police officers. So 38 unarmed dead out of those 6 million interactions means that in that year, point zero 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 six one eight percent of black interaction with police officers resulted in an unarmed black person being killed. Now, that same year, less white people less unarmed white people were killed and and I'm and I'm going I'm using these unarmed stats off of the Washington Post database um which they've kept since 2015 they've they've kept updated uh it keeps track of all police deaths you know all uh races everything else and uh so 32 in 2015 for white people now that white people had 37,334,200 contacts with police in 2015. So 32 meant they did have a, I think, significant enough uh, better chance of surviving those interactions, because what you find is that means that 0.0000, that's another 0, 857% of, um, contacts that white people had with police ended in in a non-armed white person being killed by police um so you can see that the numbers indicate that black people are killed more likely to be killed by police officers um that could be changing Uh, There are so many different voices out there, but we're going to say that that's what's going on right now. We're going to consider that a current, right, a current thing. Okay, so now that we've gone over the statistics and we've seen that the trend is going in a good direction, but we still do see that a larger percent of the black population is killed unarmed by police than of the white population. Um. And then and again, this is in terms of unarmed, unarmed police killings, right? Um, so let's get into the issues that we need to face if we are going to be honest about statistics about unarmed victims of police violence. Now, the only issue that there really is with the Washington Post, um, with their data tracker, as far as I can see it, is unarmed deaths do include uh, instances such as with? So let's talk about David Felix. Now, this was a uh, younger black man who was shot by police after, and he had uh, he had mental health issues, right? And and we we'll, we will probably have to do an episode on mental health stigma and and all that because that is a I mean. Mental health is another one of those biggies that's really just, we got to address it because things are not going in a good direction. Anyway, so David Felix, uh, in his apartment, detectives went to, uh, I believe, yeah, arrest him. There was a warrant out. During the ensuing issue, David Felix resisted arrest and grabbed one of the policemen's radio and proceeded to, to beat uh, one of the police officers. He was shot after a pretty long scuffle. And again, look, I'm going to put all the reports in the description, so, you know, if if you don't believe me, you know, you can check, you can read them yourself. Uh, I'm really not trying to <laughs> be false here, right? Now, here's where the issue is. That is listed as an unarmed black person being killed. An unarmed black person being killed obviously does not sound good. But it's hard, because when you have a circumstance like this where the police officer was being beaten with a blunt object, uh, you know, that that doesn't really fit into the same category as some of these cases we're going to look into the 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 ones that have started this big movement um right so that's that's one of the ways in which these unarmed statistics in which these unarmed statistics can be skewed uh another way is it includes deaths such as the death of an older black man during an altercation i believe it was a gun by and uh he wasn't aimed at, but a misfire that was intended for somebody else struck this older black man and he he passed away, unfortunately. And that's among these statistics, right? That's in these in these numbers here. So and let me know if you want me to dive deeper into that. but that's that's all I'm gonna say in terms of that is, Be careful because Washington Post, their database, it says unarmed, but it's almost like, do we need a different qualification for accidental, you know, when there was no intent to harm a person and a bullet misfired? Or, you know, is there even another category that we need to have for if a person is attacking a police officer and gets shot even though they are unarmed and meaning you know no no deadly weapon in hand um so i you know and i and look i don't know what the stats are on that i don't know how many of these unarmed deaths each year are could be considered one of those well you know it was a it was it was collateral damage right in in a in another instance of policing or if it was that a police officer was being assaulted heavily um i don't know how many how many that is of the amount of unarmed people killed but it's worth taking note you know that when you see unarmed person killed by police um it's always good to look into it because these are details that do matter. Uh, you know, if, a if a person grabs some object and is assaulting a police officer and that's going on for a long time, uh, tasing doesn't work perhaps. And, and that is the annoying thing about tasing too, is it, it does, it doesn't have that high of a success rate at actually stopping a person. Um, so that's what I'm going to say about those stats. Um, it's ridiculous to say more white people are killed by black people. Or, sorry, it's ridiculous to say more white people are killed by police each year. And and say you know, <laughs> I did my work right. There's there is no racism. There is no racism left in this country. Uh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That is what unfortunately some conservatives try to do. And they'll point to some studies that I haven't, I've looked into them and, and they don't seem to be showing all the truth. Studies into, oh, well, uh, uh, you know, a uh, white person's more likely to be killed than a black person. I haven't been able to corroborate that. I know there are some studies out there, unfortunately, and this is what's so sad too, is studies can be, can be very jerry-rigged. Um, statistics can be misleading, right? A good example of one is there was a book a while back called *The War on Cops* by I think her name was Heather McDonald, and one of the statistics that is famous from that book is as a is a, sti- zada, da, da, is a statistic that's technically true. Um, that police are eight and a half oh police are uh, a police officer is eight and a half times more likely to be killed by a black person than an unarmed black person is likely to be killed by the police. And uh, conservatives spread that one around like wildfire, Uh, but it's misleading on its own, because when you do the same numerical breakdown with white people, you find that uh, police officers are like, 112 times more likely to be killed by a white person than an unarmed white person is likely to be killed by police. So statistics like that, uh, they can be damaging to the conversation we're trying to have, and that and that's and this goes back to nuance. You know, a lot of people on the left and the right, they spread one piece of information and then they're like, look at that, America is completely racist and disgusting and it needs to be burned down or they'll say look at that liberals don't know what they're talking about clearly this country is pretty much perfect and look those are I'm sorry if you hold one of those points of view but those are kindergarten points of view those are you haven't tried and and why should it be easy to have a viewpoint on these things. It shouldn't be easy, right? Nothing easy, generally speaking, is the good. So it's hard to have a nuanced point of view because it makes you challenge yourself. It makes you challenge your preconceived notions. It makes you drop your emotions and really try to analyze things for what they are. And um, so enough of that, right? We're better than that. Us, you, me, our team. On this show that I don't have a name for yet, we're better than that. So we're gonna we're we're gonna say, look, and I'm a conservative, right? But those so those sorts of misleading statistics do not address the problem. Now, now that we've gone over a brief history of policing in the United States, very brief, and we've gone over the stats as they stand currently, now it's time to do the hardest part, which is going to be to dive into these individual cases. All right. And and here's what we're going to do too. It's something that is often never done when we're talking about these issues. I hear a lot of the idea that a police officer can kill a black person in cold blood and get away with it. And the implication being a white officer can kill a white person and everyone cares and suddenly the officer is locked up. And what I'll show you tonight um, is that we might have a deeper issue here than racism. We may. And I'm gonna present some things to you and, and we're gonna decide together, right? And as I said, send me sources, send me studies, send me articles. I will try to get to as many as I can and we will do a part two. And look, maybe some of the things that I put forward here get debunked. I don't think so because I've been pretty dang careful, but there's always more information to be added if we're gonna try to be nuanced. So, all right, let's dive into the individual cases. All right, so as you can see, I changed outfits. Uh, It's a different day. Um, Turns out, that when you're dealing with such sensitive material, you really can't just rush it. <laughs> Anyways, so we've given a brief history of police officers. We've talked about the statistics as they are today. Um, so, now what I'd like to do is to break into individual cases. You know, uh, cases that a lot of people have heard about, and then some cases that most people have not heard about. So why don't we do that and uh, the question that I want people to keep in mind is when we're looking at the police when they've shot people and killed unarmed people it's being framed a lot as racist As, as I've heard people say that cops are hunting black people. Um, I've heard uh, accounts from black people saying that they're afraid to, to even, you know, to go out on the street, right? And um, so we're going to dive into that, right? Uh, So let's take a look and see, you know, how much of this is racist based on, you know, I'm not trying to draw a conclusion, right? I'm going to present the things. How much of it is racist, and maybe how much of it do you think is what I think we can all agree on, which is that police do need more training? They need to be better equipped. And I think there's, a, and we'll go into some mental health cases as well, where you do see that, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to let mental health experts respond to, you know, some of these calls. All right, so let's just jump right into it we'll start with Michael Brown. I'm sure everybody's heard the name before. Um he 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 his killing was what really ignited the hands up don't shoot um that whole deal. Um So let's look at it. Uh So what happened was Michael Brown had just uh robbed a uh convenience store. Um it's technically there's technically use of violent force involved. He shoved uh I think he shoved the shopkeeper out of the way. I'm not sure who he shoved. Anyways, so um he was identified. Uh police pulled up to the car that he and, and uh, his friend were in. So A little bit of a melee broke out Michael Brown reached into the cops car punches were thrown Uh, the cop pulled his gun Michael Brown reached for it anyways Michael Brown gets shot um, and passes away and uh, it started the whole hands-up don't shoot thing the the idea being that he had put his hands up In the end, uh, a few witnesses, ballistics, DNA, evidence, showed that that wasn't the case. And um, the officer was not charged by a grand jury. So, and and let me describe what a grand jury is. So a grand jury basically is a a larger set of people than your standard jury. And their job is to decide if someone's going to be um, charged. With something, not convicted of something, but to even be indicted, and then sent to a, a sort of trial, right? So, the officer was not charged by a grand jury. Um, I'm not sure what they charged him for, right? But, anyways, the point is, is witnesses, ballistics, DNA, his hands weren't up, so that's a little bit of a an issue there, right? It's it's uh. It's troublesome. It's troublesome. Anyways, let's move on. John Crawford III, um, that Walmart shooting. I don't know if you've heard about it. So this one, this really sucks um, because he grabbed a BB gun in the sports section. Um, No orange tip or anything like that on, on on this model. Was carrying it around the store, away from the sports section, kind of swinging it around. Somebody called the police. Said there's somebody with a gun in Walmart. You know. And here's where it gets a little weird because um, I don't like I don't like what the cops did here, and I don't think anybody should appreciate what they did here. It seems like they decided to shoot pretty fast, right? Now John Crawford was on the phone at the time with uh, the mother of his children and so we're not really sure uh what was said supposedly the cops had said you know drop the weapon drop the weapon um and supposedly he didn't drop it right and then it's really hard to tell when you watch the footage at what point that john crawford gets shot now, the, the part that the points cop to is the part where John Crawford, he turns towards the police officers. One hand on the phone, one hand on the BB gun. And the BB gun comes to about here, right? Um, kind of pointing horizontally, not fully up or anything like that. And that seems to be where he was first shot. So, look, I, I don't like it. I don't like it very much. Um, but, you know, similar case, the grand jury decided not to indict him on charges of murder, reckless homicide, or negligent homicide. And I think those do carry a heavy burden of proof. So, as, you'll, as we'll see, and, and especially if we do a part two, what you charge a person with is so huge. Because if you charge them with something like murder, you have to prove intent, all sorts of things. That really gets it hard to to get somebody in trouble. Alright, Eric Garner. Now this one, um, I hate this one. Because basically Eric Garner was supposedly selling cigarettes illegally. And cops approached him. He sort of uh, resisted arrest was kind of, you know, a cop was coming from the front and he, you know, he was not wanting to be touched and, and arrested. Um, and look, it's human, I get it, right? And here's where it's troublesome. One of the cops jumps on his back and puts him in an illegal chokehold, an illegal chokehold, right? He shouldn't have been using that hold. Um, he's brought down to the ground where he ends up, that chokehold and, and them being on him, trigger an asthmatic attack that kills him um the cop was too rough i think he should have been i think he should have been punished um but my voice just cracked that's, that's perfect that's good for this uh a grand jury once again decided to uh to not indict him now that grand jury uh I do know the racial breakdown of it. It was about it was either 9 or 10 black people, 13 or 14 white people. So a pretty mixed bag there, but they decided that the cop was fine, I guess. And and here comes the big thing too is and I don't know, and if you want me again, if you want me to go more into this stuff, let me know. More into the very specifics, the nitty-gritty of all these cases. I read it over all of it, but I can't remember everything. Um, but it does you know, what were they trying to bring charges? What were the charges they were trying to put on him? That can have big sway in terms of, you know, if a grand jury is going to actually indict or not. Now, why don't we talk a bit about more of the recent ones? Um, so let's start with Brianna Taylor. A lot of myths going around with Brianna Taylor, uh, you know, namely that she was, <clears throat> that she was in bed asleep when the shooting occurred. That was not the case. Uh, the myth was that they served a no-knock warrant and, uh, their warrant did give an option for a no-knock, but they, according to witnesses, it might've been one witness. Um, they knocked and apparently presented them or, you know, said who they were. Now, that's where it gets tricky, right? Because Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend are in the bedroom, which is down the hall. So they get out of bed. They come into the hallway together. Um, I believe the boyfriend said that he said, who is it? And at that point, the cops were breaking the door down. They broke it down. Uh, the boyfriend fires a shot, hitting the leg of one of the officers, and they, they open fire. The boyfriend ends up being okay, and Brianna Taylor ends up shot in the hallway dead. Now, people are, are very offended by the fact that a cop was charged with the reckless shooting, right? I believe he was shooting through the window. Um, uh, I'm not sure exactly what he was doing, um, but the issue you know the issue. The issue becomes it, it's it's really hard to get somebody charged when they're fired upon first. And of course, we can do a whole debate on no knock warrants and the pros and cons of it, right? But as it stands, um, we have a witness saying that they knocked, that they uh, said who they were, and the cop was shot in the leg. That was the first shot fired. So a little more complicated, right? Um, it's, it's not helpful to this dialogue to throw all these myths out there. And I get why they're thrown out there. And, and that's one of the big things we're going to continue to talk about is, is how social media helps escalate these things and make it, I don't know. It's, it's almost like uh, people are trying to turn us all against each other. Right. Um, I think we can have an honest conversation about if this is racism, if this is wrong, without having to say things that aren't true, right? All right, let's go on to the next. All right, so of course, we have two more um, issues that went really into the mainstream, into, into the zeitgeist. So let's start with George Floyd. Um I watched the full footage. It's rough to watch. Uh, you know. And um it's rough, you know. Initially he was It was he was cooperating. It all seemed actually very chill. Um the cops were being super nice to him. He was saying, you know, you could tell he was he was anxious. He was freaked out. You know? And the cops were saying, you know, you're gonna be fine, don't worry, you're gonna be fine. And uh, he had he had qualms with getting... with getting into the police car. You know, saying like, I don't know if I'd be able to... He was, he was saying things like, I don't know if I'd be able to breathe, you know, I don't know, if if I'll be fine, I don't know if I'll be okay. And, and the cops were like, hey, we'll roll down the window, we're gonna be there with you, the whole time. Uh, we'll roll down the windows, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna be fine. And, uh, and it all seemed, you know, George Floyd, it seemed like he was going to get into the car and it seemed like this was just going to be, you know, not news. Right. Um, and, uh, and George Floyd, he got anxious and he, man, he got back out of the car. He stood up and he's like, no, you know, um, just not wanting to get into the police car. And, uh. And of course that you know we all know what happened right he was taken to the ground and he was put on him and and he passed away and it's it's rough man i mean all these i mean look no matter the circumstances right it's it's human life it's 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 not light you know it's it's even if you want to be one of those people who's always on the side of the police. It's not light stuff, and I don't like the trivial way that that these these instances are talked about among you know. And this is coming from, as I said, uh, I lean more conservative. I don't like the way that conservatives generally talk about these issues. I think it's almost too cut and dry for them i think the left you know i think they do the same thing uh you know they 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 jump to racism pretty quick with with most of these instances right but we're gonna let's keep going okay you know these we're still got a lot of cases to get through so uh george floyd um oh the cop posted bail but you know he's still going to be on trial And uh, if if you guys want me to go into George Floyd to more, like I said, let me know what you want me to dive into more. And I'll scamper through as many uh, sources as I can and try and get you guys extremely up to date. Last thing I read is he's still going to be on trial. um, But again, I I think he was charged or is going to be on trial for something that comes with a high burden of proof. I can't remember what it is. But I'm pretty sure it's it's going to be hard to prove. All right, Jacob Blake. Um now Jacob Blake he's not dead. Um so I guess in a way it doesn't exactly fit in with what we're saying uh as of right now, you know, cuz this is supposed to be about killings of unarmed people. But let's throw him in there. I think it's important. I think I think it's relevant. So Jacob Blake. Uh here's what I've read so far. Here's here's all the information that I have so far. So it appears that well we know he had a criminal history. Um uh, some sexual assault. Um, uh, threatening people with a weapon um, things like that and here's what the footage doesn't show you so the cops showed up because he was actually uh, and again look there's so much information going around but he was in the space of somebody that had a a um So he was at the home of the victim of the sexual assault allegations and charges and he wasn't allowed to be there. That's why the police were called. So he had a warrant out for felony sexual assault. Um, when you know, and, and, then, and that's what the cops know. So the cops, you have to understand this, the cops know when they're pulling up for a warrant, particularly they know the history of the person because they've looked at it on their computers. So they know that he's pulled weapons out, sexual assault. They know that he's at the victim's home where he's not supposed to be. Now, what you don't see in the video is the fact that he was wrestled with, right? Cops tried to take him away, and he ended up wrestling with a cop. I believe he was tased, but I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me on the tasing part but they fought and then he walked around went and reached into the car and he was shot um and i can understand you know people especially i can understand how you know seven shots it seems it seems so excessive and um and it can be uh the only caveat that I'd say to that is, and cops are aware of these types of cases. There are times when tasing, obviously, tasing doesn't work. A lot of the time, tasing doesn't seem to actually stop the person. So, but bullets—you th- you know—I think movies have taught us that it's like you shoot somebody once, and all of a sudden they are just at a loss for words and they fall over and end up uh, but it's not it's not the case um, not to say seven shots is justified right like you need that many but i'm just saying it's not as simple as one shot and you see you just take a step back and see what's going on so he reaches into the car disobeying the orders of the police officers and he gets shot he's alive he is paralyzed but he is alive so you know uh, that's kind of the full situation I, I don't think people look into it enough these things and and again that's why we're doing this because it seems to me that a lot of times people just read the headlines they see what their friends are posting on Instagram They see the the very hyperbolic sort of as if they're saying a definitive hot take about the situation right and then they don't want to look into details now let's look at some names that you probably haven't heard Uh, unarmed unarmed black people who have been killed Jonathan price uh, this was fairly recent so he was breaking up an argument And He was shot after he was very calmly refusing arrest You know saying look. I'm not I was breaking up a fight right and he starts calmly walking back walking away The cop tased him and shot him and he died Now Sean Lucas that's the Texas Ranger and we talked about the Texas Rangers troubled past he is most likely facing charges Um, It's also early that we're not sure but we know that he's very likely going to be charged. Uh, Another name, Dennis Plowden. So he got involved in a high-speed chase, he was being chased, he crashed, he gets out, he's dazed, but he is trying to follow instructions, but the cop shoots him anyways. The cop got indicted by a grand jury for third degree murder and voluntary manslaughter. And, uh, you know, and, the, and there you go with, the, you know, we don't see the cases where it seems like grand juries are getting it right. And of course it's, it's rough because these legal processes take so long too, right? So a shooting happens on a certain day and it might not be, you know, it can be months before you hear any major news on the legal front. But that's a recent case of a black person obviously being killed in the wrong. I mean, he gets out of the car. He's just dazed, trying to follow instructions, presents no immediate threat to the cop, and he gets shot. So he will be indicted. He was indicted by a grand jury for third-degree murder and voluntary manslaughter. All right, let's talk about Tamir Rice. This one is... This one is particularly tragic because Tamir Rice was 12. Now, he was at the park with a replica 1911, Colt 1911 pistol, I believe. Basically a toy, right? But no orange cap, um, no orange tip. Um, Witnesses say he was kind of tucking it in and out of his waistband, pointing at people. Uh, doing, you know, and I get it. I mean, it's, it's, it's kid stuff in a way, right? Um, had he been doing finger guns like some of us did on the playground? I doubt this happens. So somebody calls in to the dispatcher, says there is a guy here pointing a gun at people. Now, the guy does say to the dispatcher, it might be a juvenile and it might not be a real gun. The dispatcher does not relay that to the police. The dispatcher just says reports of a guy with a gun pointing at people at the park. So the cops pull up. As they get out of the car, Tamir apparently reaches towards his waistband. Or he pulls up his shirt. No, I believe he pulls up his shirt, yes. Uh, and the cops shoot him twice. And... Um, Well, you know, um, I don't believe the cops are facing an issue with that. The grand jury, I believe, decided not to indict him, the cops, the two of them. Uh, There is some sketchiness with the grand jury, though, like uh, a potential of some favoritism being played, sides not being represented as fairly as they should have been. But it's a tragedy, right? I mean, the dispatcher doesn't say, hey, it might be a kid hey, it might not be a real gun. Instead, all they hear is guy with gun pointing it at people in park and then that guy is approaching their police car pulling up his shirt. Right, so you have that kind of quick movement and the point is, is as we look through all these, it's it's important that I think we try to just this is going to piss some people off but let's not look at the race immediately right let's look at what happened now let's quickly jump into something else that's gonna that's gonna be interesting for us all right so quickly um i've changed outfits again now let's go quickly into the trayvon martin situation it's something that i almost overlooked um i've just so many names and i'm trying to decide which ones uh so let's go into Trayvon Martin and then we'll go into some white unarmed people killed by police. I know I'm taking up a lot of your time, so I'll try to make this uh quicker. Um so Trayvon Martin, that became a huge issue uh George Zimmerman being the one who killed him. So let's jump into that. Now, essentially what happened was Trayvon Martin was walking around the neighborhood. Uh it was raining. George Zimmerman uh followed him slightly and then a fight broke out. Um, supposedly, Trayvon Martin said, what are you doing? You got a problem? Why are you following me? It turned violent. Uh, Trayvon Martin ended up being killed. Um, it's Here's where it gets rough. Uh, George Zimmerman did have lacerations on the back of his head. He had a bit of a broken nose. Clear signs that he'd been attacked. Um... Now here's where we we talk about narrative right uh George Zimmerman was presented as a white person for most of the the initial uh breakout of this news um when you actually look at a picture of him and he identifies himself as a hispanic person uh his name you know just lends itself to appearing to be white I suppose the Zimmerman name now. Things were framed right from the bat in troublesome ways, right? Uh, first of all, there is a phone call going on that records and has somebody here seems to be yelling help, help, throughout the recording. Both families maintain that it was, uh, you know, the family of George Zimmerman maintained, the mom actually maintains that it was George calling for help. The mother of Trayvon Martin maintains that it was Trayvon calling for help. Oh, that's definitely the voice of my son. They both, you know, they both said that, so that's rough. Now, here's where it gets a little bit hinky is uh, NBC actually edited edited the call so deceptively. They edited it down to say that what he said on the phone to the police, because George called the police. They edited it to where they had him, they had that he said, this guy looks like he's up to no good, he looks black. Now what Zimmerman actually said in the full recording is this guy looks like he's up to no good or he's on drugs or something, it's raining and he's just walking around looking about. The 911 operator asked, okay, and this guy, is he black, white, or Hispanic? And Zimmerman answered, he looks black. He's got his hand in his waistband and he's a black male. Um, so deceptive editing of the audio, which why do you need to do that? So making it sound like he said this guy looks up to this guy looks like he's up to no good. He looks black. George Zimmerman didn't say that. Um, so that's freaky, right? Uh, we don't like that on this show when there's deceptive editing of audio. So here's the issue: after a scuffle that broke out um, in a fight, George Zimmerman ended up shooting Trayvon Martin, and Trayvon Martin died. Now, we get into charges, right? We get into charging and burden of proof. (sighs) I think for mostly political reasons, they decided to charge George Zimmerman with second-degree murder, which, as we've talked about, murder is a very hard thing to prove in court. You have to prove a lot of intent, types of things like that. So, look, he was acquitted in in the trial by a jury. So, um, it's a problem, right? You You have both moms saying... That's my son asking for help. You have the laceration of the back of George Zimmerman's head, as well as the, the bruising in, on the front of the face. And uh, overall, it's, it's just not as clean cut as, as the media would like to portray it, as though George Zimmerman was a white person and as though George Zimmerman was out there hunting Trayvon uh, because he was black. So, anyways, let's move on to white people now uh, because I think this is where it's going to get very interesting. Um, So, let's see. So, let's talk about this guy reminds me of Jacob Blake in a way. His name is Andrew Thomas. So he's a white guy, the cop involved is a white guy, Andrew Thomas got into a car wreck, was crawling out of the car, crawling out of a destroyed wreckage, and uh, the cop, Patrick Feaster, uh, just shot him, shot him while he was crawling out of the wreck. He then proceeded not to tell anybody for 11 minutes, he just kind of dodged it, walked away, acted like it didn't happen. The EMT, was, the EMT was told by, by Andrew, I've been shot, and the EMT went, no, 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 you were just in a car crash. So he didn't tell anyone for 11 minutes. He gets 180 days in jail, which to me, uh, for something as clear-cut as him, he's crawling out of a car, and you walk up and you shoot him. I mean, that 180 days in jail, okay. You know, sure. Next one let's look at is Zachary Hammond. This is a 19-year-old white kid who got shot during a drug sting. Now he was with a girl, I believe they were dating. She was in the passenger, he was in the driver's seat. She was trying to set up a drug deal, accidentally sets up a drug deal with a state trooper. The state trooper pulls up behind them. Uh, the, the cop gets out, there's footage of this and I'll, I'll post it on the in the description. I can't remember if he gets out with his gun drawn or not but he approaches uh, Zachary, says get out of the car, get out of the car, Zachary starts kind of pulling slowly and turning, trying to basically leave, right? Trying to turn and drive away. He doesn't do it very fast. The cop claims, oh, I think he was going to run me over. Doesn't look like that in the footage. Cop shoots him point blank through the through the driver window and uh, kills him. And uh, so he was fired, but no charges were brought against him. It doesn't look like there's any clear danger to him. So you have, you, you have a 19-year-old white kid just shot uh, point blank um, for essentially just slowly turning and driving right Tony Tempa, this one uh is complicated it reminds me of George Floyd so Tony Tempa had schizophrenia depression he was off his meds he called the police for help himself the cops show up they restrain him I guess he was panicking uh they restrain him he keeps saying you're gonna kill me you're gonna kill me you're gonna kill me and he keeps moving around and and um resisting the the plea to calm down um anyways they zip tie his ankles they handcuff his arms and uh, an officer puts a knee on him and after a time he passes away they were making fun saying they were trying to wake him up oh mom five more minutes but he wasn't waking up because he was dead so the charges of deadly conduct were dismissed against those white officers for the killing of that white man Darren Billy Wilson. This one is also complicated. This was another man with uh, mental handicaps. He was found in a wooded area by two police officers. The police said he had a big stick the size of roughly a bat that he was brandishing like a rifle or a weapon. They then said to show me your hands. Now here's where that's complicated. This is anecdotal, but I asked a few police friends of mine, would you ever say show me your hands if you've already established that a person has a weapon in their possession? The answer is no. And that's what the actual legal team went into i read some of the legal documents and that's what's messed up about this because you wouldn't say show me your hands if you already established in your own recollection that he was carrying some sort of weapon so he's shot by these cops shot and killed right there no stick was ever found that matched the description no stick was ever entered into evidence and those cops got away with it daniel shaver he was in a hotel on the ground um I think he was intoxicated, Uh, he might have been not moving in the exact ways the officer wanted him to, but he clearly wasn't a threat, he was on the ground and the officer shot him and uh, got away with it. I bring these up to just point to the fact that we have a lot of narratives going around. Uh, The right tends to put forward the narrative that police officers do insurmountable amounts of good, and that most of these situations, you can see how, you know, panicking and human nature can lead to these gruesome circumstances. And, and you know, sometimes the right will admit uh, when, when a cop should be more punished. I mean, Eric Garner is a clear example where I've seen a lot of conservatives say that that was an illegal chokehold a cop used and how the heck did he not get in trouble so and you have the left who are right now putting forward the idea that this is all police officers the whole institution is just racist and systematically personally from coptic most cops or some uh, depending on which person you're asking and uh i think these are narratives being put forward and i think the reason why so many people have all these misconceptions about all these cases is because there's a lot of misinformation going around Um, people like to spread anecdotal things people like to spread fake things that Breonna Taylor was asleep right that Michael Brown had his hands up these are things that are not true but the point is to get people angry not saying you should not be angry about those cases but just saying let's look at the facts let's be nuanced that's the whole point of our show together here and i think what you'll find just laying out these cases of unarmed white people and these again are the first ones i found it's harder to find them uh the way you have to basically find them is going to the washington post database for people killed by police go sort through unarmed white get the names google the names a lot of them it's mostly local news coverage they don't get very big stories a lot of the times Uh, daniel shaver was a bigger story um but not you know not to say that that these black deaths shouldn't be mainstream news i'm not trying to say that i'm just saying it's it's harder to find but you know these are just the first ones i found these are the first ones i looked into and they're pretty sketchy um I think we need to do away with the myth that when white people are the victims that justice is served and that people only care when it's white people. I think the very fact that you have an entire movement um, surrounding some of these black victims shows that there is a lot of care for these black victims. Um, I've never heard anybody bring forward these issues of tony tempa darren billy wilson zachary hammond even though they are eerily similar in in the in the fact that these cops were acting idiotically maliciously i don't know i can't really put that intent on them because i'm not sure um But anyway, so, you know, draw your own conclusions from this. Uh, I'm just trying to present some of these facts here. So we went through a brief history. We saw the stats. We've looked into individual cases of black victims and white victims at the hands of the police. And the conclusion that I'm kind of drawing for myself. And uh, again, this is part one. So these, the thoughts I'm having now are going to ebb and they're going to flow. And they're probably going to change depending on the sources that, that you guys provide and I'll, we'll do a part two, but my conclusion is that we have a a deeper issue than even racism with police. And it seems to be that they generally are not punished when they act stupidly and they clearly do not have enough training to handle life and death situations because they turn normal situations into life and death situations. It seems to me, um, not all of them, of course, but kind of what I'm getting from this is I don't know. You know, reading through the cases of Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, and all these, and and the fact that you know grand juries are, you know, they're dismissing a lot of these things, and I don't know that that's right or wrong. I mean, it's it's, but it's the right of the grand jury to do so. Um. I'll post all these articles for you too so you can sort through them and and see what people are saying Jonathan Capehart um, a black journalist is one of his articles actually one of the main ones I used and his article is called hands up don't shoot was built on a lie and that's a black person saying that I'm gonna post some links to black conservative videos as well on these topics uh, because I, I don't think we hear enough about I don't think we hear enough from black conservatives at all anyways so let these facts you know ruminate in your head let them flow around see what sticks see what it makes you think and uh try not to draw too many conclusions i'm trying not to draw too many conclusions and we'll address it more in part two the next video is most likely going to be about mass incarceration and that'll be again essentially part one uh, because there are some big problems with mass incarceration that we're going to have to look into. Anyways, this has been the show that has no name. So yes, the show that has no name, no catchphrase, no nothing. Maybe you guys can help me with that. Uh, but please keep questioning everything. Keep questioning the narratives being put out. Keep trying to search for the deeper facts and decide if some of the viewpoints you hold are are justified by evidence, right? Are cops a completely racist entity? Are cops without blame? You know, all these things need to be questioned. Uh, Again, for my money, I think that a lot of training, a lot more training is needed. And mental health experts need to be brought into the fold to help with some of these circumstances. Uh, But so far, I'm not seeing a huge a huge glaring issue of racism, looking at these cases of white unarmed and black unarmed and seeing that justice doesn't seem to be done in either circumstance, um, which is a shame. All right, but again, this is part one, so let's, uh, let's keep pushing, let's keep striving. And I love you guys very much. Thank you if you've made it this far. And uh, again, share things with me, comment, ask questions, subscribe, like. And let's keep on this journey together. All right. Bye.